Welcome back to another audio podcast from the Line Movers Network. As always, thank you for joining us today. You can check out all of our content on thelinemovers.net. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at the underscore LM Network for all your up-to-the-minute gambling needs. We appreciate your continued support. Welcome back, everybody, to the Line Movers Network College Football Podcast. Follow us every week. I got my college football experts, Trey Edge and Ian Robbins, two guys that know the college football game back and forth. Nobody better to break down the games for you. Follow us along at the Line Movers Network on Twitter at the underscore LM Network. Uh, posting all different sports, all different games. So please follow along. Let's get right into it and break down the games of the week. Ian and Trey will break them down for us. Let's start on the Plains in Auburn. Penn State, the Nittany Lions are going to Auburn. It's the game from last year that was in Happy Valley, this year in Auburn. Penn State's coming in as a small favorite. They are three with a total of 47 and a half. This is the CBS game of the week. Ian, let's go to you first, buddy. Yeah, uh, interesting game here. Uh, you know, kind of reverse aspect, SEC versus Big Ten battle. Um, Penn State-Auburn, I think that the road team the is the better team coming in. You know, I don't think so last year, even though the road team did come out. But uh, Penn State coming in, I think, has a little bit more talent, a little bit more experience, uh, a little bit more stability in their program. And uh, I think are better equipped to travel down to a hostile environment in Auburn this year to take on a team that I think is just an average SEC team. Uh, you know, Auburn's got new quarterback in place. They got uh, they got Ting Bigs- Bigsby still, who's their best skill player, kind of took over that game last year. But a lot of new faces. Auburn's going to be talented. They're going to have talent on the defense. They're going to have talent on the lines. But I just don't know if they have the overall skill positions and the overall experience to really um, beat a big team. And they, they haven't shown us much in the season. They've kind of plotted along in their opening games. And uh, Penn State coming in, you know, they've, they've had some tough games. They've, they've been in some battles already early in the season, and they've managed a way to, to find victory. And, you know, Clifford, like him or not, he's been there before. Tinsley's been a playmaker for Penn State this year. But Sean Clifford has been – a quarterback who's been in the big moments before. And I, I do think that Clifford has the ability to take a team on the road. And when healthy, he can be a difference maker for that Penn State team, just decision-making, his athletic ability, his ability to win. And uh, I think coaching, stability, experience, allow, I think is a deserved favor for Penn State. I think it's it's a weird line when you look at it. Why is the Big Ten team favored on the road with the SEC team? But I think that tells me Penn State should come in and when I, I do think a little shift from what we're used to in Penn State Auburn, I do think a little bit more points will be scored on the board. Uh, you know, Tank might break a couple plays. I think there's a little bit more explosiveness in the offensive here, and a little bit more big playability. I do think some points will be scored on the board here, but I do like Penn State as a slight favorite. Yeah, I agree with Ian. And if you look at you know Penn State is starting this season off with a win over Purdue, and people are going to kind of brush that off and say, ah, it's not a big game. It is a big game. Uh, it's a big win, especially coming off of the way Penn State finished the season last year to come in and get that win, a Big Ten win. Game one, I think, was huge for that team, if nothing else, for the psyche. You know, where they go from there. They could not lose that football game 
come back last week and defeat Ohio 46-10. to 10. And I think part of what has changed for this team, Ian mentioned Sean Clifford, the quarterback for Penn State. He's not going to wow you with yardage. He's going to be solid, try to reduce the turnovers. But look at the running game. Last week against Ohio, Nicholas Singleton, the running back, had 179 yards. That's a change for that team. They've struggled running the football recently, and this year it's a more concerted effort and a more balanced offense. And when you look at Auburn on the other side of things, they just played at San Jose State, a 24-16 to win where they trailed at halftime. The game was at home. People are going to look at Auburn and say 2-0. Penn State's 2-0. Huge Big Ten, you know, SEC matchup. And I'm, I'm with Ian. I don't – the line throws you a little bit. You know, that field goal line is small because I do think these are two different ball clubs. Auburn is quarterback challenged. They're not going to throw the ball down the field and beat you. T.J. Finley is their best thrower. They bring another quarterback in who's distinctly a runner. Tank Bigsby's there. But I'm with Ian. I think they struggled against San Jose State more, and I think that was a truer picture of who this team is. And they've not been good at home of, as of late. Four, one and four against the spread, their last five at home. And I think this is a simple case, just echoing what Ian said about who is the better team. And is it as intimidating to go into Auburn and play as it has been in years past? And I don't think it is. I think Penn State has the recipe to go in and play solid physical football and has the edge in this game. I'm with Ian on that, and I like the nitty lines. Great breakdown. Boys and girls at home taking notes, Ian and Trey, both on the Nittany Lions. Let's head out west, way west. Let's go to Eugene, Oregon. BYU is going into Oregon. Cougars and Ducks. BYU, the atmosphere last weekend in Provo could not have been any more electric. That game was absolutely awesome. Uh, BYU probably could have won it before overtime if they had made some kicks, but they do end up pulling it out. Oregon only loss was to Georgia. No shame in that. Everyone is going to have trouble with Georgia this year. So BYU in Oregon. Oregon is a slight three-and-a-half-point favorite, a total of 57-and-a-half. Trey, what say you? I say I look at that hook. (laughs) that three and a half points is where it gets me the thing I worry about with BYU is the bounce back after that emotional game with Baylor that was a big game big game at home night game against you know a team that had won the big 12 has the rep it's physical man that was a great game to watch a fun game to watch but how do they come back after that overtime 26-20 win over Baylor and hit the road Jaron Hall, the quarterback, three touchdowns. He had 200 on the year, throwing 261 last week. Their defense is really good stopping the run. They're a physical team, man. And you look at their offensive line, they're as good as anybody in the country. And when you measure that against Oregon, what's everybody's concern who is skeptical about Oregon? What is it? It's Bo Nix at quarterback. Is he going to stay in the zone where he's not turnover prone? That, that's a problem. If five touchdowns, two interceptions on the year, he is completing 70% of his passes. But he's not the guy that instills confidence in me. Look at their rushing game. 
their leading rusher has 13 carries for 91 yards on the season. And that that plays into BYU's hands here. You know, that you mentioned they lost 49 to 3. No shame in that against Georgia, but maybe that's a measure of just how physical they are up front because that's supposed to be Oregon's strength. Both up the offensive line and the front seven, they put up 70 against Eastern Washington. I look at a stat, two and five against the spread, their last seven in non-conference games. And, you know, it's just – it's something where I can go a field goal here either way. (laughs) And that's why I like BYU getting the hook because I see this as a classic matchup of two physical teams, Oregon with that home field advantage. I I could certainly understand that being worth the three points. But BYU is physical enough and sound enough to stay in this game and keep it close. So I don't necessarily love BYU to win it on the money line. I'm worried a little bit about that letdown after the Baylor game. But I'm leaning BYU and taking that three and a half. Yeah, you know, this is a very interesting game. You're looking at at, uh, Oregon's results are tail of two games. You, You get blown out by Georgia in a big primetime spot or middle-of-the-day spot, and, and they couldn't have looked any worse. And, and really, it wasn't a fair fight. You know, they're going in there with a uh, new coach, new quarterback, traveling cross-country to basically to a home game against the defending national champions who just reloaded, restocked. It, it wasn't a fair fight. And they come back home, and they host Eastern Washington. And, and what a way to kind of right the ship for them, their confidence, the players, the the fans – and put up 42 points in the first half. And I think that kind of skews the stats that Trey was talking about. Yeah, we don't know what their identity is on offense. We know that they have some new rushers. We know a lot of their rushers uh, are are somewhere else in the conference. But um, we know that might take time. We talked about that in our preview show, that Oregon's going to be a team that takes time. And I think the the response, you could learn a lot about a team, how they respond from taking taking a knockout punch. And there's no doubt Oregon took a knockout punch week one, but they came back and delivered a knockout blow. It might have been Eastern Washington. That's okay. You're supposed to beat up on bad teams, and that's exactly what they did. They put up 42 at halftime. They put a 70 spot on them and beat them 70 to 14. And and that's what you got to do to respond to show that, hey, we're here to play for our new coach. We're here to play for our fans, and we're here for the season. You know, week one's behind us. Plenty of teams have gotten beat up by, by Georgia in the past. And plenty of teams will continue to get beat up by Georgia. We're not down from that. We're back. We're still here. And I think that response tells you a lot going into this game. Baylor has stepped up to the plate, but Baylor's got some questions. I think the biggest question, no doubt their quarterback calls it, is a special talent. He can make plays on his own. But his top two receivers, um, his top two receivers, Pacheco and, 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 and Gunnar Romney, missed last week. And I thought that was a knockout punch for them. I didn't think they would be able to respond, but they did. And BYU's always been a solid team, a solid – they've always had talent. They've been a smart, physical football team. But I think that's what Oregon's been recruited on, and I think that's the message that Coach Lanning wants to instill. Now my concern, you said it, Bo Nix. He's never performed in these big games. But maybe getting outside of the whole Auburn shadow is exactly what he needs for one of these. Again, it wasn't a fair fight against Georgia. we got to get that out of our head. You cannot compare the Georgia game. That's not fair to Bo Nix. That's not fair to Lanning. That's not fair to the Oregon Ducks. See how they perform this thing. This is how, this is the mark of their season. If they come in and they they cover this three and a half points spread, it's a weird line, right? Team gets beat, 
The last time you see them on TV, 49-3, this team just beats a top 10 team. Now who's the favorite? Who's the underdog? The favorite's the, the team that lost. If they can come and cover the spread, they're a threat in the Pac-12. If they don't, maybe not so much this year, maybe next year. Maybe Bo Nix is who we thought he was. But this is a big spot. This is a big chance. I think Bo Nix is going to shine outside of that shadow. I think this team is going to keep on improving. And I think this is a mark for Coach for Coach Dan Laney to make his mark on the Oregon Ducks in Alston Stadium at home with some crazy uniforms I'm sure that they'll have. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think that support is just going to be enough. And if BYU cannot get their two big playmakers back, I think that puts it over the edge. If they get their playmakers back, give me the hook. If not, give me the other side. Love it. Me too. And I got to give one little pump here to Oregon. I really give them a lot of credit scheduling Georgia and BYU out of conference games. I hope more schools take note of this and do it in the future. We got 12 playoff spots coming down the pipe. Schools can lose a game, maybe even two, and be okay with those 12 playoff spots. More schools should do what Oregon did, play these big, awesome out-of-conference games to start the football year. I give the Ducks a lot of credit here. Let's stay out. Let's stay out west. Let's go to Seattle. The ABC primetime game with Fowler and Herb Street will be the Michigan State Spartans going in to Husky Stadium to play the UW, the Washington Huskies. Michigan State is a slight underdog. A lot of field goal favorites here this weekend. Michigan State's getting three, a total of 56 and a half. Uh, Ian, you're first. Another one of those lines that stick out to you, right? It, it's one <laughs> team going on the road to the other. Wait, who's the ranked team? Who's the favorite? Michigan State's ranked 11 undefeated. Washington's undefeated unranked, but they're a three-and-a-half-point favorite. How does that happen? How does that make sense? Well, again, when something doesn't make sense to you, let's take a look at why. Michigan State has had a nice open-up schedule. I think they were a team that we thought would have some regression coming in this year. Uh, Mel Tucker got that nice big contract. You know, putting on Akron, great. That's what they should be doing. Getting that win against Western Michigan, good. That's what you should be doing. Going on the road to Washington, here's the true test. Now, they've had a great run game picked up where they left off with uh, with Berger. He picked up right on Kenny Walker's shoes where it was last year. They've continued to run the ball in, in a great way. Peyton Thorne is making plays, which is what they're going to need to do to win this game. Unexpected, to be honest with you. I did not think they'd be able to make these plays like they would now. But here's the test when they go to Washington. That's a tough travel spot. That's a big-time travel spot. That's good. A hostile environment, different climate, different temperature, but a familiar face, a quarterback out there. Michael Penix taking the old Indiana quarterback who has a little bit of history with Michigan State coming in, a dual-threat guy. But I think that this is another test. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a weird matchup. It's a unique one. We don't really know where Washington is right now. You know, a couple of years, they're not very far removed from being an elite college football playoff team really fell off the mat. Where are they now? I think this is their game. I think this is their mark. They have a very faithful uh, fan base out there. They're going to make this a, a tough row game. Peyton Thorne is going to make plays. If he can, great. Is Mel Tucker going to make plays coaching? If he can, great. I just don't think this is the spot. I don't think Michigan State's in that upper elite team. I think they're a good team. I think they're an above average team. I don't think they're a great team that can go on the road to a good Pac-12 team in the Northwest and win a road game 
like this, and especially cover a spread. So I, I am going to go with Washington here. I think that line is telling you volumes. I do think there's going to be some scoring on the board here. I think Michigan State is going to be a bet on over team. Um, down the road, I think their playmakers are good, but I don't think they have enough to overtake a good Pac-12 team. Michael Penning is coming out, looking out. Uh, he's a talented guy. I think he he was underutilized at Indiana. I think he's going to showcase his talents here for the Pac-12 to see. Jumping in there with Ian, and the thing that I find interesting is that numbers can fool you. And if you look at Washington and what they've done, what stood out to me and, and just looking at stats and research is what Washington's done on defense, giving up 6.5 points a game. It's eighth in the country, only 235 a game total yardage. But they played Portland State last week. <laughs> it was 52 to 6, not knocking Portland State. But sometimes early in the season when we get into stats and what defenses and offenses are doing, the competition does matter. And this is a different level of competition. That defense is stout. Washington has improved on that side of the ball. Michael Penix Jr., you mentioned, Ian, six TDs, one interception so far. I like quarterbacks protecting the football. But I put so much into the one point that Ian said, and that's the travel. This is a tough place to go play, man. Washington has always had a distinct home field advantage. It's a different feel. The fans are in it. It's a great place to watch a college football game. And you look at Michigan State, and they're not a team that's going to line up and throw the ball over the field. Peyton Thorne's a solid quarterback. He's done a good job so far. You mentioned Jalen Berger, over 100 yards last week. But – I think they're going to have more of a problem lining up and playing Big Ten football and running it at Washington than people think they are. I think Washington's Washington's defense is as stout as we think it is. Is it a top defense? No, probably not. But it's good, and I think that matters in this game. And I think, Ian, you mentioned that we expected a little bit of regression from Michigan State this year. I'm with you and that I think this is the game that shows that. We've got that three points that I also uh, spread also with you on the point side. I think there's going to be more points than people think. I've talked about Washington's defense, but I think there are plays that can be made. Washington's hit four overs in a row, you know, in their game. So I think uh, matchup is great. I just am not sold on the fact that Michigan State can make that travel to Washington and come out of this game with a win. So for that reason, I'm with you. I like the Huskies. And for the record, I love the Huskies being good. I want them to be good again. There's something, <laughs> ab- there's something about them I've always liked. Can't tell you why. you together a little bit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the, the pregame party on the boats, yeah, maybe. The loudness. Right, right. The loud the Husky Stadium rocks. And rocks and rolls when they're uh, good. So, yeah, it should be a great game from Seattle. Let's uh, turn our attention to our fourth and final game breakdown uh, here with Ian Robbins and Trey Edge. And we're going to go to College Station in what everyone thought was going to be the absolute game of the week. Then App State, Appalachian State, the boys from Boone went into College Station last week and beat the A&M Aggies. Jumbo Fisher had he couldn't even speak after the game. He's been getting all these recruits. Everyone's telling him how his talent's good. But 
he still has not figured out how to coach these guys during the game. Miami Hurricanes, they're 2-0. They're looking solid so far, but they haven't played anybody. The Hurricanes go into Texas A&M. Another line I'll let the boys break down that doesn't make much sense. So Miami's look good. Texas A&M's look bad. So what's the number? Texas A&M minus five with a total of 45. You guys make sense of this for me, please. Yeah, that's the thing, that line. I mean, when you see it, everybody's going to go, man, give me Miami and the points. And, of course, that's the gut. You know, you see that and you go, oh, come on, there's no way. Because you look at what happened last week in College Station. Yeah, that score was 17-14. Man, that was a beatdown. That was an absolute beatdown in every way. And Appalachian, give them credit. They had just come off losing to my North Carolina Tar Heels 63-61, an emotional in-state rivalry. Then they go to College Station and do what they did to A&M. This isn't the Appalachian State show. But I'm making a point here of what they did. 82 total plays to A&M's 38. Over 41 minutes time of possession to A&M's 1830. That's not a fluke win. That is domination on both sides of the ball, and that's what gives you pause about A&M and what do you worry about from the Aggies' side. For me, if I'm an Aggie fan, I'm worried about quarterback. Quarterback Haynes King has not been good, and I think there's a chance we may see Max Johnson come in and play this week for A&M. I don't think Jimbo Fisher can can afford – to take much more of a chance here. I know Haynes King was his highly recruited kid, just didn't look good. And you've got another kid on the sideline who can absolutely get out there and get it done. Listen, last five against ACC, A&M's five and up. Does that stat matter here? Eh, You know, they've dominated them, but we're playing a good Miami team. And A&M has no choice but to right this ship and rally. That's why you're seeing the line at five. As for Miami, Quarterback Tyler Van Dyke is a stud. He's an absolute star. 73% completion percentage. They're averaging 50 points a game. But as David said, they haven't played anybody. Defense has forced three turnovers each game. So, again, I go to that correlation between Miami's defense and the problems that A&M has at quarterback because I think Miami is going to force A&M to make their quarterback win this football game. And I'm not sold on the fact that A&M's quarterback can do it. If they can do it, I'm not sold that they can win it by almost a touchdown. For all those reasons, and for this one stat, the Hurricanes are seven out of their last ten against the spread. As a dog, I'll go with the Hurricanes. And the obvious pick that makes me two nervous at <laughs> five. <laughs> Total obvious pick, right? The, the yeah. <laughs> undefeated darling, the, the, the U. The U attack, right? And they're getting points to the team that just lost to App State? What? But, all right, going on the road, Tyler Van Dyke has been nothing short. He's got the hype. He's lived up to it right now, but he hasn't played anybody. They were sleepwalking through the first half, too. Both teams were sleepy. And and unfortunately for A&M, they got got caught. And App State's done that, been there, done that before. We all know about that. But uh, Miami woke up a little bit, you know, maybe playing against Frank Gore Jr. Might have helped out. But they were able to put away Southern Miss, uh, not cover the spread, but put them away in the second half at least. Um, Van Dyke going on the road. Cristobal going on the road. I think if this game is played three years from now when Cristobal gets his recruits in, because we know he can build a line. We know he can build from the trenches. 
that's a whole nother game. But can their trenches match up with what AM has built? And that's a great point. Haynes King has looked any but bad. And Max Johnson is there. He he's played before. His dad has been in this. His dad wants an FSU boy. FSU boy might want to play beat a Miami guy. <laughs> yep. Um uh it it's it's an interesting, interesting matchup. Who's the best player on the field? Is it Tyler Dan Tyler Van Dyke? Probably. Is it Devin Ashane? Maybe. You know, he could bu- certainly bust out a play. Would it be surprising to see him run for 150 and three touchdowns? I don't think so. And it might take that for AM to try to win. It's going to take their playmakers to make plays. And it starts with the running back. And if you get the ball to Ashane and have him make some plays, they're going to get out to a lead and they're going to make Miami chase. And if Miami starts chasing, they're going to start panicking a little bit. 12th man is going to be on fire. Hopefully, maybe down in College Station. We'll see. See how they respond after the AM loss. But um, it's going to be interesting to see if they can handle the pressure that's going to come from the defensive line. Because that's where AM has been built from the inside out. And if they can get pressure on Van Dyke, make him a little rattled, maybe get a turnover, maybe the game gets a little bit out of hand. If Miami can take a lead early, it's going to be real hard for Haynes King to come back. Maybe it's a quarterback change. Maybe it's a live in play bet if that happens. Maybe it's just a Miami. The U is back. AM is out. We'll see. I personally think as Shane breaks one early, Miami struggles on the road. Crystal Ball is going to be there three years down the road. I think this game's a whole different story, no matter where the game is played. Right here, right now, I think AM bounces back. I'm going to take the other side of that spread. Love it. Love it. Wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, thank you, as always, for checking in with us this week on the College Football Podcast. We are the Line Movers Network. Follow us on Twitter at the underscore LM Network. Well, hold on, Dave. Ian Robbins. I want to give a little nugget for anybody listening at the end. Mention this team in the opening in the opening preview podcast. I want to give them a shout out. Kansas Jayhawks. This is not your old Kansas time anymore. Ooh. Right. Lance Leopold's got some building over here. They go on the road to Morgantown. Take it overtime. Win by 13 in overtime. Who wins by 13 in overtime? The Kansas Jayhawks. The new new (laughs) Kansas Jayhawks do. They're on the road to Houston. Houston coming off a tough loss to Texas Tech. Texas Tech is not a better team than Kansas this year. Kansas has got something going. They're a tough team. That was tough conditions. They put up 50 points in a rainstorm in, in West Virginia last week. They're going into Houston. They're getting 10 points. Take them. Take the money line. Wait till the books adjust. The books still think Les Miles is coaching is coaching Kansas. He's not. <laughs> a better coach is. That's a good program on the rise there. So you're still listening right now. Get those Jayhawk tickets in. That's Ian Robbins. He said it last week. He was right. Listen again this week. He'll probably be right again. Trey Edge, Ian Robbins. I'm David Dorman for the Line Movers Network. Thank you again for checking in. We'll be with you all weekend on Twitter, and we'll see you back That's all for now. Until next time, be sure to check out our video podcasts as well on our website. If you have any questions or requests, send them our way at the underscore LM Network Twitter page or visit the contact page at thelinemovers.net. Thanks for listening and all your support.